All right, everybody. I now, so I know that this is going to, you know, here we are. And I too. So. Hello, everyone. Yeah. I'm now back. Aaron's now back. His audio sounds fine to me. I hope my audio sounds fine to all of you. Yeah. So isn't that, isn't that, isn't that crazy? I had to go and grab my cell phone to broadcast to an audience uh, because the sound was choppy through my professional microphone, audio board, and massive computer. Right. This all makes sense. Now, were you explaining why this issue popped up today? Yeah. In fact, I'm going to, because I'm on a phone now, I'm going to actually go outside and um, I'm going to sit uh, on my front porch and I'm going to smoke a cigarette out of rage. Um, Very good. <laughs> so yeah, relaxed show. So let me explain to everybody what's going on um, so you guys can get a little bit of space. It's actually typically considered a um, huge no-no to let people have the inside baseball and broadcasting. Uh, and I've never agreed with that because I've always been fascinated by it, but I'm also kind of a dork. So um, to explain to everybody what the deal is, um, we have approximately four main applications, software, um, that make it possible for us to be able to conduct the show on a regular basis. And part of the reason, and this was obviously long before COVID, um, part of the reason is because uh, one of the co-hosts is remote, meaning that Alan and I are not in the same room. He's in right. Washington. I'm in, um, I'm in uh, uh, Virginia. So that was issue number one. Is you know we have to bring him in through Skype, right? Um, the secondary issue, obviously, is that we, you know we want to be able to push out to you guys. So there's software that's involved with that, and software that's involved with being able to play audio, like news clips, the you know opening theme, the closing theme, audio cues, things like that. So several different applications, several different uh, podcast hosts that we've had to go through because um, I, I demand that these things work properly. What'll happen is one application updates or Windows itself updates and everything can break and there's no explanation and we have to find a, either we have to wait for them to patch the issue that broke or we have to find another way around the problem. Right. So essentially we have, what because we're the way we broadcast, we have multiple audio sources that we're, we have to combine together through essentially a sound mixer to then combine those into a broadcast set of suite of broadcasting software. And essentially what we get is this sort of stack of software and settings to make everything play nice with each other so that all of the audio sources we have can be understood and ordered by a sound mixer. And then the outputs of that can be understand and ordered by the broadcasting software. And essentially the problem that we kind of keep running into when this becomes a problem is if any one of those software pieces, which are multiple different types of software to make all of this stack together and work, if any one of those companies puts an update out, it is possible that that update either 
essentially wipes the current settings that we have and we have to readjust all these settings to make everything uh, work together. Or what happened today is it seems that one of these pieces of software, they did a big automatic update. And in that update, somehow there is a software conflict that we can't overcome. Essentially one piece got changed and now that piece doesn't work with anything else. And so we need to now wait for them to patch that fix because in the testing of whatever this update was, they must might not have tested the exact scenario that we have with their software interacting with other software. And so now it just nothing works. It's bricked. It can't, it just can't function the way we need it to function. And that's why we have to then come through on our phones. It's just this issue with all these different companies make all these different pieces of software. We are layering them all together to make the show work. And if one of those companies just puts out an update and changes things, it just makes everything fail because we, and Aaron was showing it to me, we were working on this. And one of the things that is hard to really get across is we have all these different inputs and outputs that we're trying to label and adjust both through windows, through this. And so it's all these pieces and it just, if one fails, it's hard to identify which one that is because we have to crawl back through the way we've stacked up all these settings. And then hopefully we find it, hopefully we can fix it. But today it's just one of these issues where we have to wait on the software provider to fix the one problem, like to fix the inadvertent problem that their update solved. I'm sure this update solved other things and made other things better, but in the process, some bit of code wasn't adjusted correctly. And now it can't play nice with a thing we need it to play nice with. Yeah. And it's super frustrating. The reason why we're opening the door to it is because I, you know, I want you guys to know, because to be fair, it's embarrassing for me, right? Like, yeah. You know, we want to provide good content. We want you guys to hear stuff. We want you guys to be entertained. And and to be honest, we, we love doing this show. Like, we we have been beating our heads up against the wall for the last two hours um, because we want to do this. You know, yeah. and we enjoy meeting with you guys every Sunday and doing these things. And we want you to know that we do take it seriously, even though sometimes it might, it might seem otherwise, right? You know, <laughs> but it is what it is. And I love broadcasting, but yeah, very frustrating day, but that doesn't mean that we can't go on um, yeah. and, and jump on the show. Although to be fair, doing it on my phone is super weird, um, but cool. Sure. We'll do it. Um, anyway, um, long story short. So jumping kind of right into what's going on, um, the big Sunday show talking point for the day is everyone's obsession with uh, the student loan stuff, right? So Biden right. wants to start forgiving student loans. Well, that sounds good to some people, but there's now a different question that everyone has to ask, which is like, what, why are we spending money when we're in a recession and when inflation is insane? But before I start getting into the actual news piece of it, I wanted to ask, because Alan, you have your view of like finance, which is understandable. Um, you're not a, you're not a fan of banks, obviously you're not a fan of the stock market and even like retirement accounts. Like you have, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you have disdain and mistrust for financial institutions 
because they always seem to be shady and always seem to be working against the better interests of basically all of the United States. It's about them. It's about them getting money and, and manipulating people. And it's not as simple as the free market concept of, no, it'll be fine. Uh, you know, if they just do good stuff and they're open and free, then people make money and everything's good because you, you are the person who consistently points out where like, it seems like the financial industry will do things against its own best financial interests with the interest of a globalist sort of uh, framework. So I wanted to get your opinion before I started diving into the, uh, the, the points that I have and some of the data that I have on what do you think about student loan um, repayment or forgiveness? That's the word that they use. Sure. So my, my view on a lot of financial things is maybe not as negative as Aaron described it, but I, it is, I just don't trust it. Like a lot of the stock market, a lot of investing, a lot of these things can be very great, but a lot of it to me feels a little bit like you're playing a rigged game. But, and I just don't like it. I just, I don't like it and I don't really trust it, but that's neither here nor there. I think student debt repayment is almost certainly like a lot of things the government does. It's almost, especially this government is almost certainly not aimed at doing what it says it's going to do. So it's aimed at, oh, we're just going to give a bunch of money to help these poor struggling students. And when was the last time the government did anything to just help the little guy without some essentially other agenda? I think a lot of this is going to be, it's a lot of this is probably going to be like these plans that Democrats have that seem so great. Like, oh, like in California, there's recently this, I don't know if it got approved or if they just want to do it, but essentially it's hotels have to open up any empty rooms to the homeless by law. And that sounds ridiculous, but I think it's one of these, again, one of these things that it's not aimed at doing what it says it does. Because in that case, I'm certain what it's actually going to be used for is any slumlord can just claim, oh, a bunch of homeless people are living in my, quote, hotel, and then pocket a bunch of money from the city without having to do anything. It's basically just a way to get to do grift and corruption. And I think student debt repayment is probably the exact same thing. It's not aimed at helping the little guy. I'm sure it's aimed at, essentially, it's got to be aimed at helping a bunch of donors fleece the system of tax dollars. So look at, and then when looking at it in that way, it seems like, well, who owns all this debt? They're going to get a bunch of tax dollars. Or some in some way, this is going to screw us. And it's just yet to be determined what that way is. But I think it's almost certainly aimed at enriching some democrat donor base more than it's aimed about actually helping anyone okay yeah and and that's good and i like that i gave you like the most cynical outlook ever um <laughs> but um so the interesting part and some facts that i like i wasn't even really fully aware of uh for example really only like 33 percent of americans have a college degree I thought that that would be higher. Yeah, I thought that would be higher too. Yeah, but it's, uh, you know, everything that I've read is just basically like, yeah, about a third, one out of three. Mm -hmm. um, so, and this is what, what's interesting is I'm going to frame this in, a, in another story and we'll, we'll go further into the um, college loan stuff. But 
there's a bunch of articles being written now uh, about a woman named Megan Coyne. Megan Coyne is the new social media manager for the White House. And everybody likes her because girl boss, you know, because that's, that's the thing now, right? Everybody's excited over girl boss. Well, girl boss, um, the whole girl boss thing is that she came on as the social media manager and immediately the official White House account was calling out any Republican Congress member who took out a PPP loan. This is their way of defending yeah. student loan forgiveness. Now, for those of you who may not realize, first of all, when the PPP loans came out on this show, I specifically said that this was a terrible idea. And it's funny because I did get some pushback, right? Because everybody kind of thought I was just being the milquetoast conservative that was going to bitch about government spending. But, you know, so we're just supposed to let businesses die. The reason why I was against PPP loans, for those who remember, is because anytime the government gives you money for anything, they are going to get something out of it. The reason why I was against the whole payment protection plan loans was because I was against lockdowns to begin with. Right. Lockdowns were bad and they were a stupid idea. I was against them. I'm still against okay. them. Now, the whole reason for those PPP loans was because the government was forcing businesses to close and we didn't want to have massive unemployment. So the government was granting money to businesses to be able to pay their employees. I mean, it makes sense. The government came out and said, screw you. You can't keep your business open because of the flu, which has been proven to be a completely unnecessary measure. It's not the same as student loan forgiveness, but how interesting is it that the government subsidized their bad decision-making to keep businesses open, and now they're shaming anyone who took that money. Basically, if you take money from the government, you have to agree with all government spending. That seems to be the line that we are getting from mm -hmm. the White House. But here's some interesting things about that. Specifically, the... Uh, student loan forgiveness is going to cost approximately for the one, the, the year, the first year that they instantiated $300 billion. I'm, I'm sorry, what? How many billion? What? Three, Say that again? $300 billion. That's, 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 that seems that's like if too they much. just, that's if they do the 10 to $20,000 supposedly that they're talking about forgiving. Now, a study from the University of Pennsylvania shows that it shows that it is going to mostly benefit higher income Americans. So you guys heard me say one in three Americans are estimated to have a college degree. The Americans that carry the most student debt have postgraduate degrees, doctors, lawyers, MBAs. Right. The student loan forgiveness in all honesty, is a benefit to the DC elite. Because those are the people that have all the postgraduate degrees. Well, not all of them, but everybody in DC has a postgraduate degree. For those of you who don't know, like I got I got a job offer in the government when I was when I was coming out of the army. And I they they really liked me. They liked the work I was doing and they wanted me to take a um, 
supervisory position in the government. And I was told I was a shoe in because you've been doing such great work um, so far. And we just really want you to, you know, keep doing what you're doing, but we're going to make it a government supervisory role because you're becoming a civilian. Let's just, yeah. you know, and uh, I made it to the second interview and they immediately were like, oh, we can't hire you because you don't have a college degree. Right. So then it was like, well, we really want you though. So like, how close are you to like getting, getting your degree finished? And I was like, well, you know, the degree that I have, it's, you know, this much. And they said, well, how close are you to just getting like a liberal arts degree? Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't understand. What do you mean? They say, oh yeah, it doesn't matter what your degree is. It only matters that you have one. Huh. So I could be a, in a government supervisory position for intelligence with an, with a feminist glaciology degree. They don't care as long as it just says that I have one. Right. Basically, it, it the, the only thing that, yeah, the only thing that they care about is just that I spent four years at an institution or six years at an institution, not what I learned. But anyway, so the point is, is that there are a ton of people. I live obviously in the DC area. Everybody has like a master's degree out here. Every single person has a master's degree. It's also the single surest way uh, that I have learned that higher education is a joke. Uh, I cannot tell you how many people in my regular non-podcasting life that I have to correct, fix, train, or guide, even though they have a postgraduate degree that says that they're supposedly better than I am at my job. Okay. Now, th granted, that's mm -hmm. true. However, I think the bigger point that I see in this student debt forgiveness is that these people make a lot of money. Yes. And so the debt is... forgiveness, as it was proposed, would go to people making, I think it's up to $120,000 a year. So uh, it's $125,000 a year or married couples making up to two hundred and fifty. If you make that much money, there is no reason you cannot pay back your loans. It's funny. So this is, I'm glad you brought this up. Well, actually, because, no, and I'm going to, I'm going to go one further. What, this is one of those things that Democrats do that makes me furious. They always describe every single problem as, oh, it's this horrible thing for this group. And here's this terrible problem. And you go, oh, okay, well, is this going to address that? They're like, well, actually, no, like we're, I mean, that's an edge case. And this is going to benefit a whole different, you know, group of people in this problem. But look at this tiny edge case. It's so bad. We are told, and I'm told that we need to feel so sorry for these poor people saddled with all these student loans. And who is the person they tell me about? The person that got the history degree that works at Starbucks making minimum wage. It's so bad they can't pay back their loans. Isn't that horrible? It's crippling them for life. And I go, well, I guess I can, I can kind of understand that. Having that kind of debt and making not that much money would probably be very difficult. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you want to do our thing? Like, okay, well, maybe. Oh, okay, actually, we're going to apply this to people making a hundred and something thousand dollars a year. It's the same as when they go, oh my gosh, abortion is so bad. Imagine if a woman was raped. You go, well, yeah, I guess that would be pretty bad. Oh, okay, so we should have it on demand all the time for everybody at their convenience. You're like, well, no, that's, 
it turns out just like with abortion, rape and incest, the two big things that they go, this is why we need it. Those are, it's like something like 1% of abortions. Would it surprise you at all if you learned student debt repayment, 1% of people this is going to benefit are the minimum wage worker at Starbucks who has a basket weaving degree. And the 99% of the other people that this is aimed at are people that have absolutely no business needing the government to help them pay off their debt. It's going to be lawyers and professionals that are making a couple hundred, that are making $100,000 a year going, great, I don't have to pay back this debt. Thanks, government. Thanks, Democrat Party. I'm for sure going to vote for you now. I'm going to spend all that debt on buying on buying maybe a second house. <laughs> well, and and this that's that's the thing is like it's not going to benefit the poor because a lot of those people don't have student loan debt. Yeah. Like they probably didn't go to college and and like don't don't no, get me no. wrong like, and even if they did who go to college it's yeah. like this is the people that the stu- that the student loans were aimed at. You're going to take out a student loan. You're going to get a degree as a lawyer, as a professional. You're then going to go work in that field, making a hundred something thousand dollars a year, and you will be easily able to pay back those loans. Yep. The, so the system works. The people that this only only people we're being told falls through the cracks on this are people that couldn't get a gra- couldn't get a college level job. Mm-hmm. So why is any of this, it, it should be capped at, if you're making $30,000 a year or less, then we help out with your student loans. The fact that this is going to people, it, that anyone making over that proves to me that this is all nonsense and it is absolutely just a lie that they're pushing this through. Well, and I mean, to, to some of the point that you're saying here is like, this doesn't solve a single problem that led mm-hmm. to the quote student debt crisis tuition is absurd and college degrees are thrust on american school children like they're a get rich quick scheme but you have people like elizabeth warren who's out on the sunday shows right now telling everybody how great you know student loan forgiveness is going to be elizabeth warren was paid three hundred thousand dollars for teaching one class at Harvard. Yeah. One class. She was paid $300,000. But you do have people that spend tens that have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in college debt for their, you know, feminist glaciology degree. And here's part of the issue too, because there's a lot of different things here. First of all, I will agree with one, one point, which is that Students in America are told, if you don't have a college degree, you're never going to make it in life. You're going to be, you're going to be like picking up trash, uh, you know, out of the ditch if you don't go to college. We have been told, Alan and I grew up in that world being told that all the time. You had to go to college. You had to get a degree. And that is fundamentally being proven false by the whole student debt crisis because all of these people went to college and they can't get a job. And they have zero skills for anything else. Some of that is just because of how the world works and how the economy works. And just some of it is just happenstance, to be honest. The other aspect of it, too, is 
there's a thousand useless and stupid college degrees that are only meant to make college professors money. Sure. I keep bringing up feminist glaciology. That's not as untrue as you would like to think. Well, yeah, and it could be a lot of it could be a lot of these things. It just is that the fact that any of this money, any of these taxpayer monies that to bail anyone out is not highly restricted to anyone making less than a very small amount of money. If you're making less, if you're making minimum wage or less, those are the only people that should benefit from this. The fact that it's going to anyone making more is absolutely insulting to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And and, well, and that's the other aspect of it, right? $300 billion. Everyone's going to pay for that. The other two thirds of Americans that don't have a degree are now paying for it. Yeah. And this isn't a one-time thing, by the way. There's no way that they just do student loan forgiveness now and then just move on. It's going to be an expectation. In reality, what this is, is a soft touch to move to state-funded education. Sure, yeah. And now everyone's going to go to college. It's going to basically be a requirement. College is just going to become high school. Everyone's going to go to it. Everyone's tax money is going to go to it. It's going to change literally nothing, but it means that all of these shit lib college professors that are turning everything in higher education into giant propaganda factories are now going to be paid by tax dollars. They're going to have a guaranteed income stream and a guaranteed budget, no matter what, regardless of performance, exactly like what we're seeing in, in basic education. Basic education is a complete shit show in this country. And it's because in the 1970s, we had this great idea. Let's have the Department of Education. Let's start federalizing education. And what's happened? Test scores have gone down. Literacy rates have gone down. People are doing worse. And we keep spending more and more and more money. Why? Because the minute that schools start to fail and teachers aren't doing a good job, we go, hey, we should fix this. And they go, oh, but think about the children. And then they get millions more dollars and fail even more. Yeah. Like everything within the government bureaucracy, they have set themselves up for the perfect life of failing upward. It is incredible. But with all of that being said, we've talked about why it's a bad idea, how it's going to cost a bunch of money, how ridiculous it is. It was brilliant strategy. Mm-hmm. Let me explain why. Please. Can, can Joe Biden erase student loan debt? Of course not. He doesn't have the power to do that. It is completely outside the scope of the office of the president of the United States. He does not have the authority to do that at all. But midterms are coming up and what Republican is going to go out there during an election year and then be like the Republican party is gonna walk out during an election year and say, President Biden, you have no authority to forgive student loan debt And then the Democrats are going to turn around and say, the big mean Republicans are going to make it to where you aren't going to get student loan debt relief. You should vote blue in November. Yeah. That is the only reason why this is happening. This is a really good point. (coughs) I've wondered this the whole time. 
because Joe Biden doesn't have the power to unilaterally, unilaterally do this. So it has to be something else. That's something else being we're going to toss this around like a political football and use it for our own benefit. And we have never had any intention of repaying this debt because it was never actually about that. Yep. They're doing it specifically so when it gets stopped by it by probably a judge to be completely honest um by a judge or whatever what is absolutely going to be the talking point is we would have been able to forgive your student loans but those big meanie republicans stopped us and that's why you have to keep making those payments this is and you know what's incredible about it is it goes back to our initial theory that we were saying earlier which is or I say earlier that we've been saying throughout multiple shows now, which is that the Democrat Party is still in a position under under understand this, everyone. It is almost September. We are at the wire when it comes to the midterm messaging. Most right. people, uh, the 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 way that the stats bear out, most people make their midterm decisions by july 4th july 4th is like political consultant like zero hour for how people are going to vote in a november election they are doing this to still rally their own base so before everyone starts throwing ashes on their face and whatever over this understand this is a rally your base movement. There's there's not a single person who like votes Republican or is going to vote Republican in the midterm elections um, that is going to like suddenly vote Democrat because of student loan forgiveness. Like this has been talked about enough in conservative circles, right wing circles, Republican circles that it's not it's not going to shift that needle at all. It might shift some independent votes and it'll definitely energize Democrats. Because honestly, what reason do Democrats have to go vote? The economy's terrible. Biden is a complete mess. Democrat messaging is awful. The polls yeah. are showing that they're not doing well. They're still trying to rally their base. So just understand, this is their strategy. I just don't think it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, this is their strategy, but I don't think it's a good one. Especially when you look at, you know, bear out the facts that this doesn't affect two thirds of Americans. Yeah, if anything, this only enrages two thirds of Americans that don't have college debt. I mean, think of how or many people- Or paid off their college debt. What? Or paid off yeah, their college debt. Or paid it debt. off. Like but, me. Yeah, but like you said, what is it? One third of Americans have a college degree? Yeah, I was surprised by that. I'm trying to remember the yeah. article I got it from. I think it was- That means two thirds of Americans don't. Yeah. Two thirds of now I don't know what the breakdown is, but there are a lot of people that are maybe even doing pretty well in life that never went to college, that don't have a degree, don't have debt, have never paid off debt, but they do have a ton of other loans. They have car loans, they have house loans, they have small business loans. And the fact that those loans aren't getting any attention is going to make people irritated. And I, I mean, I don't think anybody is sitting around going, man, I'm so excited that those college graduates get to get a break on their loans. I guess I'm just going to go back to work and at my job where I have to pay off my loans because I'm not a college graduate. That's going to make people bitter and angry. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's going to play well. 
I think a lot of people are going to feel bitter and angry about it, and that's exactly how they should feel. Well, and, and you know, amazingly, it's it, with that being said, so as far as the strategy goes, like, I can see it as being a brilliant strategy. I know why they did it, which was to try to basically be able to screech that Republicans are big meanie heads and all that. That is literally the point of this entire exercise for them. Additionally, though, they're actually shooting themselves in the foot now with this new social media manager who's running around and trying to shame anybody, um, any any Republican who took out a PPP loan. And right. the reason why is let me let me show this in the focus here. So <clears throat> there have been several posts and it's like, you know, like Marjorie Taylor Greene took out one hundred eighty three thousand in a uh, PPP loan. Um, but she doesn't want students to get loan you know, debt relief. What's well, because Marjorie Taylor Greene is a business owner. She had employees like, are you really trying to shame a person for wanting to keep their employees paid? In fact, like, didn't didn't your company have to close its doors for a little bit, Alan? Yeah, we did. We we closed down in 2020 because of COVID. And then I, I'm pretty sure that we took a PPP loan to when we reopened. Or, yeah, or did no, you no, see no. us through? I, I'm, I'm almost certain that we did that. That's exactly what we did. Yeah. And so, like, if if you're, you know, if your bosses or, or the, the owner of, of the business that you're in, like, should should they should they be forced to support student loan forgiveness for keeping you employed? No, because that's the idea. But here's here's where it's funny. Is it really a good idea for the Democrats to like in, in their in their way of trying to own the cons? They're basically walking out there and going, well, you know how we closed the entire country down for two years over absolute hysteria that is all being proven completely bullshit and useless remember how you thought you were going to lose your job remember how you weren't sure what your future was going to be like remember how we locked your kids away and um emotionally and uh educationally stunted them for two years uh and then just immediately turned around and went jk never mind seemingly right after an election that's probably yeah. not the best way to approach this but that's exactly what the Democrats are doing because Democrats live on Twitter and think Twitter is real life. Yeah. Like, if the Republicans are smart, they can take the dumbassery of this owning the cons. Because the article um, that I read <coughs> about uh, about this new social media manager, Megan Coyne, uh, couldn't get over itself in going out there and being like, she's doing a one-punch knockout on Republicans standing against student loan forgiveness by bringing up the PPP loans they took. <laughs> and it's like, oh, please keep doing this. Because yeah, if okay. the Republicans are smart, yeah. they get to turn around and say, remember how they shut everything down? Well, if you took out a loan to keep people employed, they're going to shame you for it and demand that you you keep supporting Democrat spending. And this is something that I think is very annoying because I've seen the same sort of response from a bunch of Democrats about the, the raid on Mar-a-Lago. 
It's like, mm-hmm. well, I thought that you didn't care. I thought you cared about blah, 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 blah. If Trump had these materials, well, you care. You were upset about Hillary Clinton. So it's like, and it's, it's bizarre to me because it completely misses the point. It's like, no, we're upset that this is being used. That we're upset at how this is being done. It's like, I'm upset that my loans are also not being forgiven. I, what's what's it's just an incredible thing to try and say well how can you be upset at student loans being repaid when your loans aren't being repaid You're like, well y- yes that's that's actually why like i'm upset that they're not repaying my ppp loans but they are doing it to this one if neither one were being repaid or both were being repaid that'd be fine if hillary clinton had gone to jail i would feel a lot less uncomfortable about the raid on Mar-a-Lago because it would make seem like the FBI was serious. Or if neither one went to the jail, I would feel more comfortable because then the FBI is just inept. I don't, it's the fact that it is being selectively applied to Democrat, to essentially Democrat operatives is what makes me annoyed about the whole situation. Right. And I'm not sure exactly. I I do think that there were some forgivenesses given when it came to the uh, PPP loans. Sure. But there is a nuance there. The government forced you to shut down. The government didn't force you to take out a student loan. Yeah. And I I mean, I didn't have to pay pay off that much in student loan debt. But I did pay some. Sure. And so I guess that's the question. Like, what do I get for it? I was responsible. Right. That's what angers me. That's what personally angers me about it is I should have just been defaulting on my student loan debt this entire time. And then I would have not had to pay any of it. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's a, unfortunate but understandable response and why should anyone ever pay any student loan debt ever just don't take out the loans go to college and never pay them and just say don't worry if i just sit on it long enough the government will freak out and pay it off yeah not it it just it seems like a really (laughs) it seems like a really bad plan like, but again, I... it's such a bad plan. That's what makes me very con- concerned <clears throat> that this isn't what we're being told it is. That this is about using this as a political football and not about actually solving any problem. Well, and, well, no, I mean, that's absolutely true. But I, I mean, should I like pray for there to be a massive housing crisis just in hopes that the Democrats pay my mortgage? I mean, that's my plan currently, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, but, I mean, that's the whole thing now, right? The, the Democrat talking points are basically, we're going to create a crisis and then just spend ourselves out of the crisis by giving away free money. Like, that's the new Democrat socialism. Yeah. That It doesn't it's seem like, wise, does it? Like, like, Well, especially because they never fixed... They, they never fix the issue. Like, they, let's go all the way back to the whole Obamacare situation. They're, remember, Obamacare was going to be the big saving grace, right? There were like, I don't know, like one gorgillion people that didn't have health insurance, supposedly, in the United States. And yeah. 
So they they thrust through Obamacare, and it was this giant sweeping. I mean, one sixth of the United States's economy uh, basically became federalized, right? Like that—that that was the whole idea. And now yeah. here we are, uh, years later, and we need to do Medicare for all because one gorgillion people still don't have health insurance. And oh my God, like they can't afford their diabetes medication and their EpiPens. And so I have to, so, so what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? You spent all this money. You implemented all this. You got the Supreme Court to turn around and basically like lie to the American people and reinterpret the Constitution to pass Obamacare. And everyone was overjoyed because the, the black messiah came and, you know, free health care for everyone. And now right. everyone's sitting there and they're going, well, well, actually, we need to do it harder because it solved literally nothing. Yeah, and that uh, I will tell funny? you what I, I will tell you what I have noticed is suddenly now we basically have like the government basically has the ability to enforce medical martial law because we literally just lived through that. Yeah. So that as far as I know, as far as I know, the only thing Obamacare did was give the government the ability to weaponize healthcare to oppress its citizens. So now I have to ask, well, what the hell are you doing with student loan forgiveness? How are you going to weaponize college against yeah. Americans? Is it, is it going to be like, are you going to basically make it to where every job requires a college degree? Like you're going to have to literally get a sanitation engineering degree to, uh, you know, to be a garbage man. You're going to have to be a sanitate, you know, sanit, uh, what is sanitation engineer or, but that's only if your, you know, social credit score is high enough. Otherwise you're just going to have to go live in the slum. Well, at the end of the day, I think a lot of what this is, is a way to reward Democrat voters and try to make them de vote Democrat. It's like, I'll take all these yeah. professional people. Their finances are being currently wrecked. These are people that invest. These are people that buy houses. Like if you're a lawyer or professional, like you're a lot, usually you're smart enough to understand how economies work, to be investing in things. And you've been hit in the pocketbook real hard over the past two years. Now, maybe your house got increased in value, but you know, you can't buy another one. There's been a huge, the, the economy has been thrown into a complete loop, just wreck. And that hurts people who are heavily invested and leveraged. I think more than it hurts other people, at least it hurts them in a way that they very much notice because they probably care about their finances. They're now very upset. Joe Biden's at, has a very low amount of popular support, especially and probably amongst this professional class. And I could see this as a way of boosting as a attempt to boost support for Joe Biden by these people before the midterms. And much like you said, if when this inevitably doesn't go through, they will be able to point to these horrible, horrible Trump supporters and blame them for the reason that every that their debt didn't get repaid. Yeah, no, so mostly that, it makes yeah. no sense. It makes no sense. And it's really dumb to try and do this. So almost discarded at that point and just 
look at this and go, yeah, yeah, this is really dumb. They're not doing this for the reasons they're saying they're doing it. This is all kind of a canard, and it's just a way to try and buy votes and influence things before the election, but they never actually intended on doing this anyway. Be and the other po point I would want to make on that is how often have they teased this to their voting base? I've heard about student debt repayment for a long time. It's what got a lot of people interested in Bernie Sanders, but they never actually act on it to make it permanent just like abortion and gun rights, they very seldom actually do anything about it because then they can't toss it around like a political football. So the, the potential there is potential that right now they're going to do the same thing. Now, it's interesting because so there is that like I, I do. I do agree. I do agree that that is basically 100 percent. The reason for this is that they want to turn it into a political football. It's it's Joe Biden is trying to buy votes. That 100%, that's the entire point of this, is Joe Biden is trying to buy votes. With that being said, I did say something about them being able to weaponize education. Well, here's a way that they can do that because it's actually happening on lower level education. Mayor Mariel Bowser, the mayor of Washington, D.C., will not allow unvaccinated students to attend D.C. schools. But she is also not allowing a virtual option. Great. So unless you bend the knee, let's just say it that way. You all remember bend the knee, right? Same, same. Being vaccinated is just, to them, it is bending the knee. If you don't sure. bend the knee, you will not get basic services. Now, understand, Democrats, Muriel, Mayor Muriel Bowser is a Democrat. Democrats consider everything to be a human right. I think most people agree that education is a human right. Sure. But they're more than happy to deny that to people unless they bend the knee. Yeah. Now moving on from that little story um speaking of you know <laughs> democrat violence let's just say it that way speaking of democrat violence yeah um democrats have decided that they're that they really 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 just want to get marjorie taylor green uh murdered by the cops okay so twice marjorie taylor green has been swatted two times in a row last week. Wow. For those of you who don't know, and interestingly, I'll get into some of the weird, weird, weirder stuff too. What swatting is, is swatting is when an anonymous caller figures out where somebody lives or where they work or whatever, and to basically screw with them, uh, they call the police and they tell them <clears throat> that there is somebody with a gun and they are threatening to like shoot up their family. Right. or something of that nature and it is so there's this aggressive armed response from a SWAT team that basically like kicks the door down and rushes in with a bunch of guns yeah. that's called swatting now it was a i guess we'll say popular thing that was basically being done against youtube streamers the idea was you know you figure out where they live you call the police and while they're in the middle of their like stream like their gaming stream or whatever, the cops kick the door down and like tackle them and everybody has a laugh. 
Sure. Except for the guy getting tackled by the cops. And right. I don't remember the story off the top of my head, but I actually think that a guy got killed because of yeah. a swatting incident. Now, yeah. what's interesting is I've read articles about this written by by the liberal media that are too busy talking about how awful of a person that Marjorie Taylor Greene is and being like, yeah, she's a complete piece of garbage and like a total Nazi and whatever, but like swatting bad okay. But additionally, weirdly enough, the liberal media is consistently obsessing over and trying to convince everybody that swatting is actually a right-wing tactic, which is weird because uh, the, if people want to talk about the most popular incidences of swatting being used, um, I would invite you to just look up the, I don't even know how many times it happens to Tim Pool. Mostly, it should be viewed as attempted murder because the goal is to call the police, get an aggressive police response, and hope that the police will shoot somebody. Yeah. And you know that all of these people on the left will se would celebrate if that happened. Because to them, they are simply trying to remove their opposition by any means, and they will celebrate when they do so. Now, I... I, I, I find I find the entire story fascinating because, well, once again, I mean, you're right. Like, it's attempted murder. Like that, that, that is the entire point. You were sending a giant armed squad of people to, you know, kick in the door. Yeah. On the pretense that, you know, that there is violence happening, so they will show up with violence in mind. It's just like how all these all black people get shot. A lot of times, those there is one where... Um, the police killed a guy in a Walmart with who, and he had something like he had like a airsoft gun or something. And what happened was someone called the cops. And when they called the cops, they said, there's a man with a gun shooting people. That was not in fact happening at all, but all the cops arrived thinking there is an active shooter situation going on. We need to be as aggressive as possible to save lives. And then they rushed into this Walmart. The first and the first dude that saw this guy, who was, I think he just found it in the, the uh, like toy department or the shooting, you know, the um, sports sporting department, was walking around with an airsoft gun he was planning on buying. But because the cops had gotten the information, that someone's being shot. They just went in guns blazing, which is absolutely yeah. how police are trained to deal with active shooter situations. So when you call in the cops and say there's an active shooter here. The hope is that they will show up being understandably very trigger happy and kill the person that, and, and cause an incident. So it's a very disgusting thing to do and a very underhanded way of trying to get somebody shot. Yeah, what, what, what these people are trying to do is like now for those of you who you guys probably know, but Marjorie Taylor Greene is a huge Second Amendment advocate. There's pictures she thinks she likes to watch liberals get all upset when she posts pictures on social media of her with her guns. <laughs> um, and so, like, that's that's one of those things. I bet what they were hoping for is cops are going to be wandering around in the dead of night because it's in the middle of the night when they do this. In the dead of night, a bunch of dudes are going to be wandering around Marjorie Taylor Greene's house. They're hoping that she walks out onto her front porch with an AR-15 in her hand and gets lit up. They are absolutely trying to get her murdered. That is absolutely yeah. what is going on here. The intent yeah. of this is to get her killed. And, right. once, and once again, 
It is another assassination attempt against Republicans that literally no one in the media gives a shit about. They had front, like, headline news just blaring. It was the biggest deal ever that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez staged her own arrest. Yeah. It's headline news panel discussions because somebody sent a mean voicemail to a Democrat representative. Mm -hmm. Headline news that somebody threatened on a voicemail or an email or a tweet or, you know, a tweet threatened a Democrat representative, but somebody shows up outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house with the intent of murdering him and torturing his family. No one cares. James Hodgkinson literally tries to kill a bunch of Republican Congress members. No one cares. They're trying to get Marjorie Taylor Greene literally murdered on the, you know, in her own home using law enforcement. No one cares. The Republican Party needs to wake up that those political norms that some of those neocon, normicon idiots are clutching to are gone. They're completely gone. This is the playing field. They will literally get police officers to murder you in your own home. They will do that to you. There's no bipartisanship anymore. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm saying that is, of course, somebody can turn around and say, well, this is just some crazy person. That's not Nancy Pelosi. Okay, that, that's a, that's a, that is a good point. This is a crazy person because I would want people to give me the benefit of the doubt if the roles were reversed. So let me ask you, show me the audio of Nancy Pelosi condemning it. Show me the audio of any Democrat condemning it or the media condemning it. Sure, they'll write stories and say, this isn't nice, you shouldn't do it. But amid that condemnation, it's the list of them justifying the action. Well, she's anti-trans and she's an idiot and a QAnon conspiracy theorist. They're justifying it the entire time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, this is the rules of the game as we play them. And it is amazing to me shocking even that democrat politicians seem to be completely oblivious to this because these people are a absolute threat to any republican politician absolute threat to themselves absolute threat to their supporters but the the republicans operate as if this is all make-believe and they can't see it with their own eyes well yeah because they don't they don't want to have. They don't want to have to make the hard decisions. They don't is, want to have I mean, to go amazing, out there. You think it would be so easy for for all these elected Republicans to look and go? Today it's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Tomorrow it's going to be me. I have more to. I have. I stand to gain more by supporting Marjorie Taylor Greene than I have to. Than I have to gain from. So I don't know supporting all of these left wing activists. Yeah, it's they're still stuck in this dumb opinion sphere of maybe if we all like maybe if all of these loudmouth kind of populist people just go away, things would just simmer down. Right. I think that is That's a, it. 
that is not a very good metric and I don't think is going to bring any sort of success. Well, and it's, it's because these idiots, you know, have their interns reading them headlines from the New York Times. And they're going to sit right. there and like you have people like Mitch McConnell or whomever that are going to sit there and think like, well, I mean, the reason why she's being targeted so much is because she's always out there just saying stuff and riling people up. If she just wouldn't rile people up, we could just talk more about the economy. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, it, is, it is very ridiculous. Yeah. How dare you rile people up by telling them the truth? By standing up for your own constituents, for Christ's sake. By the way, I'm going to remind everybody, because this is always interesting, whenever whenever Marjorie Taylor Greene is brought up, she's like one of the most... Uh, I know that this sounds very Dinesh D'Souza-y, but let's be honest, it bears out with the facts. The Democrats and Repu like the Normicon Republicans absolutely hate um, nationalist women more than anybody else in politics. Right. The minute that there is like a, a let's be honest, decent looking female candidate that is out there and actually speaking strongly, that person is the main target. Right. Not for saying anything crazy, because it is different when you look at somebody like AOC. She says crazy stuff. Like she. Right. Be and it's also the same. It's. I mean, it's like the same when you get uh, uh, Larry Elder, who's a kind of right wing commentator who's black. When he's called the white face of white, the what is it? The black face of white supremacy. Oh yeah. It's that they they have a lot of ire pointed at any of these people because they, in their mind, they're destroying the illusion that they want to create that no women and no minorities can possibly be right-wing. But, but it's more of, okay, it's this idea that Democrats are the real racists. It's like that gets a lot of play and sure there's some truth to it, but it is kind of a very cringy thing to try and exclaim because it's not like they care that they're the real racists. I think it's more important to, to present it as they are trying, they are doing everything they can to manipulate people and maintain an illusion. And they are, and that's the bigger concern than actually opposing racism or anything else. Because as we all know, whether or not someone's a racist or a misogynist is only a left-wing tactic to try and discredit them. It, right. Concerns about this are not actually a real concern in America today. Right. No, and that's, yeah, and that, that's it. That's exactly true. But just simply amazing because we're not going to see the kind of condemnations that we've seen before. But interesting, though, is it's just it's another news story that we have of the left weaponizing law enforcement against their political enemies. Yes. And, you know, Yes, it's not lost on me the hypocrisy of it, but as 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 we've clearly stated for years now, the the left doesn't care about being hypocrites. In fact, they think it's funny because it drives you insane. Um, right. You know, but the uh, you know defund police. Well, that that is actually, to be honest, that's why they want to get rid of local law enforcement. They want it federalized, so then they will have all the power. 
Right. So then they and, can use it against their political enemies. It's all everything they do mm -hmm. is about destroying their enemies and supporting their friends. And there's a lot of lessons Republicans need to learn about that. Because if Republicans were doing the same thing, then we would be in a much better position. And any yeah, Republican I mean, that gets elected needs to focus entirely on destroying his enemies and rewarding his friends because we are in a cold civil war scenario that had, and the only way out of it is destroying the left and preventing them from hurting us, preventing them from gaining power in the future. Concerns about democracy and liberty and all these other things have to take a back seat right now because those are only a luxury of a people that is, they're only a luxury of a people that have sovereignty. And we do not have sovereignty for right-wing people right now. We have to regain sovereignty because that's the only way we can have liberty. And the only way to regain sovereignty is essentially through conflict. And we have to be ready to face that conflict and do what is necessary to win because we face an enemy that seeks to destroy liberty forever. And it's, you know, it's, it's amazing to bring up because, you know, like we, we got a little bit more information sort of from the Mar-a-Lago raid, which sure, you know, is a, it's a very popular thing to talk about, but they released the warrant initially and the warrant told nobody anything. <laughs> and then they released the, uh, affid they finally released the affidavit because that's actually the, you know, what, what was sworn before the judge that is supposed to give the rationale of here's why we're, you know, raiding the private residence of a former president of the United States. Interestingly enough, they redacted basically any useful information. Uh, yeah, I saw this where it's, it's, it's a page of text and every single line is blacked out except for like two words. Now, you know, Alan and I were intelligence professionals. We can explain to you redactions and things like that. And I know that some of this has been covered by other commentators, but to give you really the kind of rough rundown, let me explain. So the things that you redact are known as sources and methods. The, in fact, a lot of times with intelligence, the what makes something its classification, whether it be uh, top secrets, secret, you know, no foreign, which means no foreigners, you know, no, nobody that's not a U.S. citizen can view this, you know, that, that kind of stuff. What actually predicates the classification of the majority of intelligence is the source, the source with which it was collected, not necessarily the subject matter of the information. Right. And I need people to understand that because un like understand the overall charge here is Donald Trump might have had top secret documents, which, by the way, every single president of the United States has top secret documents in their possession. Every single president of the uh, every single former president of the United States has a secured compartmentalized inf information facility in their residency, the ability to communicate and read classified information and material they have that that exists right every single one bill clinton has one jimmy carter has one they're about the only ones left aren't they <laughs> uh, barack obama has one these things exist sure they all have it so so before because that's part of what the media is trying to do is act like it's a huge deal that a former president has top secret documents 
They all do. It's normal. But right. they plead to people's ignorance. Right. But that and what we something. don't know is is the content of the doc the content of material is not an indicator of of what the is not an indicator for classification. For example, if you let's take two things. One is the menu of what Vladimir Putin had for breakfast. That could be some information in a top in a document. And with the other some other information could be something like what is the armor thickness of a, the modern Russian main battle tank, the T-90? One of those could be just classified maybe a secret or even unclass. One of the other could be top could be classified as top secret. Which one it is depends on the source and method with which it was collected. If you have a, if you had say have Putin's butler is the one that is actually a double agent that is giving information to the United States, the menu for Putin's breakfast will actually be top, could actually be top secret because if it got out that you know what he had for breakfast, it would compromise that very, that source close to him and that would be a huge problem and you would lose that source of intelligence. Whereas say the capabilities of the mo most modern Russian main battle tanks that might be almost even open information or, oh yeah, one was captured by the Ukrainians and some guys looked at it. And so the, the source for that information, we don't have to protect. That's where classification rules come from. It comes from protecting the source of the information. So if something is classified as top secret, it means the source is a more vulnerable source or a more valuable source. So, uh, so very good. So Donald Trump, if he has top secret information, it's not necessarily that that information is dangerous to the United States or is somehow super duper important. It might just be something that comes from a source that is highly valuable. And the problem is we don't know because nobody's telling us what it, what it specifically was, which also makes me really makes me and you should probably be pretty darn suspicious that they actually found anything. It's all happening behind closed doors in some star chamber run by a military tribunal. Look, do we know what it was? No. Can we make any assumptions? No. This is exactly how secret police agencies work. This is how the KGB worked. And that's a, that worries me because if this is being done in a totally amoral and political way, it's very difficult for us to both find out and then achieve any kind of redress because, oh, he broke classification rules. Oh, and it's all top secret. You can't know about it is a very convenient way to do this in a highly politicized manner that is absolutely baseless. Donald Trump is the primary challenger to Joe Biden in the upcoming election. He is a political opponent of the sitting president and one that may win re-election and that alone is a reason for us to be highly suspicious that a federal law that the federal law enforcement agency that is under the control of Joe Biden has any kind of negative interaction with, action with him. It is this ha in third world countries. This is exactly how political opponents to the ruling regime are silenced and intimidated. And I am going to be highly suspicious. The same thing is happening here until it is proven to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is not happening.
Well, and we would be remiss if we didn't explain also, because one of the things that people are talking about is, you know, the president can declassify things. Sure. And that there's, you know, like there there could be documents that actually aren't classified, but might still have a header of like top secret. Maybe. Well, to give you a good example of original classification that is declassified, here's a good example. One thing that is information that at the time makes sense to be classified as high as possible um, that could be declassified but still have a header on it are like, I don't know, the president's travel plans, which are classified at top secret secured compartmentalized information Yeah, because they're the travel plans of the president of the United States. But then right. he travels and does the thing and now it's considered open source information. Sure. Because there's obviously going to be news reports and things on it. But if Donald Trump literally, if he has his presidential schedule in a box, it will have a classification header of top secret secure, secured compartmentalized information or TSSCI. Right. It because would absolutely a lot have of this. A lot of these things are technicalities. And if you look at the way the ire and hatred that all these people in the bureaucracy have for Donald Trump, it is on them, it is, I, I can make a very good case that they will try and get Trump on any minor technicality that is completely ridiculous. Like if Donald Trump has the, I don't know, the fl airplane, the, the seat, the ticket stubs for getting on Air Force One, that might technically be top secret, but in reality is just a convenient excuse for rifling through everything in his house. And this is what makes me so angry about Democrats, is they seem to ignore every possibility that any of this was a setup just to try and get Trump. Which, the reality is, it absolutely was a setup to just try and get Trump, and they're going to try and get him on any minor technicality. And the problem is, we just, we, we're not going to know, because they're going to keep it close to the chest, because they don't want us to know. They don't want us to know if it was something completely ridiculous that they did this for. And they're going to conveniently hide behind all this classification rules. And it makes me very upset. But I remember when the NSA, when, well, I remember when the FBI overrid its own internal evaluation of a, top, of a report that was generated by the Hillary Clinton campaign on the supposedly illegal activities of Donald Trump. It was, which was the Steele dossier, and then the FBI overrid its own internal evaluation of that report, then used that re report and a FISA court to justify NSA wiretapping on an opposition party's campaign headquarters. That is absolute, that, that's, they already did that to Trump. And so I guess, so I asked people, was like, if they're willing to do that, what makes me think that this recent thing on Mar-a-Lago is any more valid than the wiretapping of Trump Tower in 2016? Well, let me remind you that part of what came out of some of the investigation into, you know, the FISA warrants and everything else was that there was a lawyer named Kevin Kleinsmith who worked for the FBI who pled guilty to falsifying evidence to the FISA court. He falsified evidence. He neglected, he actually deleted part of an email where the, CE, the CIA confirmed that Carter Page 
informed them that he was approached by Russian businessmen and he thought that they were attempting to gather intelligence. And the CIA told Carter Page to continue meeting with those gentlemen and then work as a confidential human source. Sure. So he was a CIA asset. Kevin Kleinsmith left that out when getting a FISA warrant against Carter Page to claim that he was a Russian asset. Yeah. He left out in the warrant to a judge that all of this was already known by the United States government and encouraged by the United States government, which by the way, proves absolutely that they weren't worried about Carter Page meeting with Russians. They just wanted to have an in to then start spreading that web even further into the Trump campaign. Just so everyone is aware, yes, Kevin Kleinsmith pled guilty. He did not get any jail time. He got probation. But just a couple of weeks ago, the D.C. bar put him back into good standing as a lawyer. So just so you're aware, a lawyer falsified evidence to get a warrant of surveillance against an American citizen. Doesn't matter that it was, you know, someone running for president. Just they falsified evidence to get surveillance on an American citizen. And the D.C. bar said, that's okay. You can still practice law. Yeah, the and corruption the, reason- the, the the corruption of the highest levels of American society is absolutely shocking. It's like the collusion between government and these people. This is the when people talk about the deep state. This is exactly what we mean. Is it's mm-hmm. the, like all these people going to bat for each other in order to work around and create loopholes around the rules that we put in place to prevent exactly this kind of corruption. It is the rule that you can't do this and will get disbarred is in place to prevent lawyers from doing this because it is corrupt and it is wrong. And but then we have this the deep state is essentially all these people that are Democrat operatives working together to make sure that the restrictions and rules we put on things to prevent corruption can be bypassed and made irrelevant. Well, and let's, you know, let's not forget, you know, to your point, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you and I discussed the fact that there were uh, leaks that came out of Twitter showing that uh, Twitter officials were asked by the White House to burn to to ban certain social media accounts. The White House was telling, uh, you know, a social media company to ban certain accounts. And hilariously, I remember that there were you know, some of those normie cons when we first started talking about social media that were like, well, it's a private business. The government shouldn't have, you know, you shouldn't be able to do anything. Free speech is, you know, free speech only applies to the government, guys. Twitter can be complete garbage to everybody because, you know, free market, right? That was, that was the big excuse. Except, you know, when the government literally colludes, which was the entire point of why people were bringing this up, because we right. knew that they were colluding. Even more's come out now. On Joe Rogan's podcast this week, Mark Zuckerberg admitted that the FBI came to Facebook headquarters to silence the Hunter Biden story, the Hunter Biden laptop story. That's amazing. So they went to Facebook and they basically said, hey, there's a lot of Russian disinformation out there and you guys should probably do something. 
to get them to silence the Hunter Biden laptop story. And there's leaks coming from the FBI where there are agents that are like, yeah, they, the FBI refused to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop claiming that they didn't want to, quote, interfere in an election. That's amazing. Except they were also investigating, you know, one of the people that was running in that election. His name was Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, yes. But (laughs) hilariously, after this admission from Mark Zuckerberg came out, the FBI's response, I... I'm not joking. This was their response, which was, we go to a lot of private entities and give them like alerts and warnings of potential like foreign disruption. It's on them whether or not they do anything about it. Hmm. Like, do you honestly think now you have to understand the timeline here too. During like heading into the election, uh, in 2020, both Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey were hauled in front of Congress to talk about social media. You guys all remember the Jack Dorsey castaway memes where he like showed up in like on video in front of Congress and he had that big beard and looked kind of like like he had just rolled off of like a desert island. Do you remember yeah, those? Sure. That was that was around the same time the FBI would have made its approach. So you're telling me now I'm not defending Mark Zuckerberg, but just understand if you're a business that's being hauled in front of Congress for an investigation and then the FBI shows up and tells you, hey, there's this bad Russia stuff going on and you should really keep an eye out. Are you going to comply with the demands of the U.S. government or are you going to defy the demands of the U.S. government while you're having to go in front of the U.S. government? Right. Yeah. So it's laughable that the FBI's response is, we're just telling people what's going on. We're not telling them what to do about it. Seriously? Wow. Yeah. No, it's the fact that the FBI was asking. It's one of those things that it's just, it's very frustrating. Like this is clear election interference. Like everything the left says about election interference is lame, but this absolutely is because it's mm-hmm. for the purposes of this election. We need you to, you, we're going to ask you to not cover this story. Now people on the left will excuse it. It's like, no, well, they just said they didn't know. Well, it's like the FBI has this laptop. They've had it for yeah. a while. We know, but we know what's on it because copies were sent out. So we know what's on it, and the, it's again, it's just like the Hillary Clinton email scandal. We know that malfeasance is happening, and the FBI, the only organization we can that we can rely on to do something about it, is just choosing to ignore it for political expediency, and that's incredibly frustrating. Like I'm, how do we? If the FBI is ignoring the crimes of Democrats, then how can any of this get redressed within the system? How can any of this get redressed until unless we? stripped out every Democrat activist in the FBI, replaced them with our own people, because then maybe justice can get done. <laughs> well, and what's what's amazing, what's amazing about it too is you 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 have you have to well 
it's funny because Bill Mayer, who is absolutely a liberal, he's not your friend. So I just want to make sure that that's yeah. clear before anybody does anything dumb or says anything dumb. Yeah. He, he was having a conversation this week with Amy Klobuchar and Rob Reiner. And okay. he brought up like, are you okay with the fact that like the media refused to cover the Biden laptop story because they didn't want to hurt Joe Biden's electoral chances. And what, what did those two, those two are the perfect example of all of liberal media and all of the Democrat party, because what did they start bitching about January 6th? Yeah. They wanted, well, no, like the real thing is the fact that there was an armed insurrection, which is just, oh my God. Like, Cringy and lame as it seems to be, ineffective as it absolutely is, but like we've said before, Democrats live on Twitter, so they seem to think that January 6th is still going to get, like, anyone to vote for them, while people, like, literally can't afford food in this country. Yeah. Um, but the point is, is that that, that was their, like, go-to. Their go-to was, like, well, I don't want to talk about the fact that, like, they didn't cover a Hunter Biden story. I want to talk about the fact that some boomers showed up with some flags and then the cops killed one of them or like murdered more than it was actually more than one. Pretty sure yeah. the cops like beat a woman to death. Um, but anyway, uh, regardless, that was their reaction. So think about that for a second though. Rob Reiner like got into a screaming match about it and was all angry and saying like, they tried to violently overthrow the government. I'm, I'm mad about that. I don't care about a laptop. Think about that. Why was that crowd of people at Congress on January 6th? <laughs> because they knew, because the election, because of, of, they were worried about election fraud. Yeah, because, because they knew that the Democrats meddled in the election to get a man who never left his basement elected to the presidency. Right. That's why they were there. And now what we're hearing is a bunch of liberals saying, well, sure, the media hid prescient information from the American people, specifically so Joe Biden would get elected president. But what we should really be concerned about is that people were pissed off about that. Yeah. That's why. The Democrats stole the election in multiple ways. But the fact that they sit there and constantly talk about threats to democracy, I'm pretty sure if you actually are somebody that likes things like democracy and the ability for people to vote, you know, for their representatives and things of that nature, certainly hiding prescient information, like the fact that there are illicit foreign dealings through the crackhead whoremongering son of a man running for president. Yeah. And the fact that we know by polling data that if the American public knew about the kinds of things that were on Hunter Biden's laptop, Joe Biden absolutely would not be the president of the United States. That's the thing. The reason why they covered it all up, the reason why they were trying to hide it is because they knew that yeah. That knowledge would have prevented Americans from voting for Joe Biden. And that's exactly why they did it. Right. 
And it doesn't just stop at the laptop. There's so much, so many places where we are learning about the corruption of Joe Biden. It's not just this one laptop. There's a slew of other areas, other examples that prove the corruption of Joe Biden. One of them is this diary of, I believe it's Ashley Biden, was some journalist got a hold of it, and in it, it describes essentially sexual abuse of Ashley Biden by Joe Biden. And guess what just happened to those journalists? Joe Biden's FBI just raided their home and arrested them, searching for this diary, which embarrasses Joe Biden. Well, hang on. Let me let me let me clarify just a couple of points. Please clarify uh, away. <laughs> so, previously, we've reported on this this diary, and the reason why we reported on it was because Project Veritas got raided by the FBI to include the apartment of James O'Keefe, looking for Ashley Biden's diary, because it was supposedly sold to James O'Keefe. What's happened now? is Ashley Biden was like renting a home, which I'm I'm confused by because the original story that I had read, I thought that she was like at a halfway house and her roommate found it. So this is all very confusing. Just so everyone's aware, this is very confusing. Um, but now, supposedly she was renting a home or, or was at a home temporarily, and she left some things to include this diary. And it was okay. found by either the homeowners or other people who showed up. And uh, these are two people from Florida. And they found a diary and they were like, oh my God, this belongs to the daughter of Joe Biden. And she says crazy things to include the fact that, well, of course, she's a drug addict. She uh, has extreme problems with sexual promiscuity, which, okay, these are all personal things that don't, that don't really matter. But the main point that a lot of people pull out of it are, is an admission that she makes in one of the writings in this diary, which is, I think one of the reasons why I'm like, I'm so sexually promiscuous is because so many things happened to me when I was young. For example, she talks about the, she doesn't go into detail, but she talks about the fact that she was sexually active at 12 years old. Gross. There's not a ton of exposure for an exceedingly rich female. Now, this is all my supposition. I'm just stating things out there. I'm not saying that any of this is bared out by anything that I've read or seen. But if you're 12 years old and you come from an extreme family, Joe Biden had a senator for 47 years. Yeah. Okay? Right. 12 years old. You're the daughter of a United States senator. Okay. So this isn't some girl living in, you know, the ghetto or, or in the, the inner city, but she's sexually active at 12 years old. She doesn't say whether those are adults or whether those are kids, but that's definitely something weird to come from a very affluent household. Not saying it's un, not saying it, it hasn't happened. It's just that's that kind of stuff is typically reserved for people who like have mothers that are drug addicts and wander out of the apartment and nobody's paying attention to them. This doesn't happen typically in affluent families with strangers. Mm -hmm. If there's a girl from an affluent family who's sexually active at 12, the first question that you're going to ask is, 
Is it from an adult family member or a friend of the family? Sure. She doesn't say that. I'm just saying that, I mean, that, that's it. But additionally, she also in that same thing where she talks about being sexually active at 12 and whatever is, well, and I also took sh taking showers with my dad, which were probably pretty inappropriate. Yeah. At the very, at the very least, so, it is not. Let's take the whole pedophilia line out of it. At the very least, it is embarrassing to Joe Biden, the president yeah, of the United States, yeah. that this diary exists. It does not paint him in a very good light. The fact and what's <clears throat> us worrying about it is that he is using his FBI to ensure that embarrassing things about him are do not reach voters to, so that they can make a proper voting decision. Yeah, like, do, do we, we, we don't even need to, well, I mean, we're going to because, of course, right? But, like, we don't even need to drill into anything that's in this diary. Let's just, let's just, let's just state it at its most baseline level without any real commentary. Two people were just arrested by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and are now facing felony charges because they sold the diary of the president's daughter. Yeah. That's it. Um, I don't need to go into anything that's in the diary or about it for people to, that people should naturally go. Okay. So in other words, the president of the United States is weaponizing the FBI to go after people that are mean to his family. Yeah. It's like, because if I, if I told somebody, yeah, um, a buddy of mine just got arrested because he sold his ex-girlfriend's diary to, I don't know, a pawn shop or that seems weird. I don't know who would buy it, but you know what I mean? Sold his like ex-girlfriend's diary to a pawn shop. Sure. They would go, that's, that's kind of weird. Like, what are they charging him with? Right. So, yeah, like, and it's funny because I've seen people try to rationalize it. Well, it's a federal case because the diary was in Florida and then they tried to sell it in New York. And so it was transporting stolen goods across state lines. Like that's nonsense and we all know it. Yeah, the FBI would not even investigate that case if it were you or I at all. Right. Which means they're weaponizing the FBI. Right, but which is very inappropriate, right. and it makes Just me upset, and it makes should make all of us very ner nervous, and that's it's not great. And I mean, I guess we're going to have to talk about it. I don't if if I want to be completely upfront, I I don't really enjoy talking about the children of famous or political figures. I mean, I'm in a perfect world. I would agree with the statements that people make, which are that those people are off limits because people, people are allowed to have private lives. Sure. Now, with that being said, the left is not allowing anyone to have a private life. You can't even have your own private social media without worrying about whether or not you might get fired for it. You post on it. Them's the breaks. I mean, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but... With all that being said, 
because the president of the United States is such a public figure, I think we should at least, since it's all out there, ask the question, why are Joe Biden's kids so messed up? Yeah. If your neighbor or your friend had a drug addict son and a drug addict daughter who were both whoring themselves around, are you seeing a pattern here? Yeah, well, exactly. And it's exactly this that they do, that Joe Biden doesn't want his voters to know because everyone would basically come to the same conclusion. This man is not someone I want to lead my country. This man clearly has some problems. He's clearly has some issues. He's not who I want to lead my country. That's why they're putting forth so much effort to make sure that Joe Biden's voters don't read what's in this diary because it's going to make them not want to vote for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And then ask the even deeper questions of what the hell was going on in that house. Right. But it's almost like, like you were saying before, we don't need to really even get to that point. All we need to do is look at it and go, they cl it's clearly whatever was happening is bad enough that Joe Biden is worried that if people know who he actually mm -hmm. is, they will not want to, they will not view him as being fit to be president of their country. And right. almost because he's trying so hard to hide this stuff, it basically proves it to me that my worst fears are essentially confirmed. Yeah, like we <laughs> like the 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 poor poor Democrats um wanted so hard to fight and justify that it was okay for the FBI to raid Mar-a-Lago because national security, you know, Trump, Trump had a nuclear bomb ready to, you know, blow up the White House uh, at the command of Vladimir Putin in Mar-a-Lago. And so it was okay that the FBI raided the private residency of a former president, mm -hmm. right? And it's totally not so they can get back the Russiagate documents that show how corrupt they are. No, no, no. But then suddenly, while the right wing is screaming about how Biden is weaponizing the FBI to go after his political enemies, he literally has the FBI arrest people for trying to sell his daughter's diary. Like, thanks. Thanks, Joe Biden. I now no longer have to debate Mar-a-Lago because only an idiot is going to defend you sicking the FBI on two random people trying to sell a diary of your daughter. Yeah. Like, it's simple as that, man. Yep. All I... Like, you've got, you've got to be kidding yeah. me. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have to fight that anymore. I, I don't have to argue about orange man bad. Yeah. You gave me another scenario where they you, go, you don't get to lean on orange man bad as being your reason for why, why being super corrupt and acting like a third world shithole is okay. Thanks. Yeah. You idiots. <laughs> Which is, by the way, amazing. Um, because do you know before why we didn't cover the Ashley Biden diary with that much veracity? We brought it up on the show, but do you know why we didn't cover it with that much veracity? Why? Because it was difficult to confirm its authenticity. Right. But now... I don't need to try to confirm its authenticity 
Joe Biden just did that for me by arresting the people who were trying to sell it. So now I know for a fact that it was Ashley Biden's diary. Oh, and what she said, and it's probably true. Yeah. If it wasn't true, why would they be trying to hide it? They could just say, this this diary is a hoax. Anything you hear about this diary is a hoax. None of it's true. That'd be a lot easier part is, and a lot less risky than the, trying to send the FBI to arrest these guys. The, the crazy part about it is they could have just said that anyway. And uh, the entire shit lib liberal media would have just gone along with it regardless. Yep. Like... The, the diary could literally contain the polygraph results of her while she was writing the diary and the media would, could still just say like, that's a, it's a right wing conspiracy theory and a bunch of shit libs would be like, no, and they would do literally zero research at all. But for some weird reason, they didn't do that because they're stupid. <laughs> right. Like, I, I don't get it. I really don't. Well, that the, the it makes it, zero sense. It, it does. Actually, that is curious. Like, why didn't they just lie and say the diary is fake? Yeah. You can un, just unless lie. Un, you do that yeah. all the time. <laughs> it's like, unless there's something else at, at play here where they're so, they're, whatever, I mean, the potential is, where there's stuff in this diary that is even more infl- inflammatory than what we think. And, yeah more provable than we think it's like the hunter biden laptop needed to go away because it 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 basically gave names and dates it's like on this on this date i had this communication with these chinese businessmen and then people went oh and a couple days later those same chinese businessmen were touring the white house Mm -hmm. so that well i mean i guess because you brought that up now we have to consider the timeline. And by that, I mean, let's take a look at the timeline between the raid of Mar-a-Lago and then these people also in Florida getting arrested for possession of Ashley Biden's diary by the same law enforcement agency. Is it possible that those things connect? By that, I mean, was the raid on Mar-a-Lago to find out how much information Donald Trump knew about what's in this diary? Oh boy, that's an interesting com- Interesting. I mean, it's 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 uh, very strange, but I mean, look at the timeline here. So the argument would be Donald Trump is planning on running in 2020, or 20, sorry, 2024. 2024. Pardon. Donald Trump is planning on, ra- mm-hmm. on on running in 2024. The FBI thinks, oh shoot, he's got some angle on Joe Biden that is going to help him win. And it's like, all right, raid them and make sure, like what if they, it was leaked to the FBI somehow that Donald Trump had a copy of this diary and was going to use it during the 2024 election. And so in the same week we see, okay, uh, raid Mar-a-Lago under whatever pretense we can find, r- rifle through everything in the house until we find that diary and also go after these journalists. We, we need to get that diary off the street. That wouldn't be mm-hmm. crazy. That was kind of what I've been thinking this whole time is that there is something Donald Trump had that they felt they needed to really find. And that's why they're acting the way they are. So there's certainly that. I also think that um, 
when you when you take a look at the whole Mar-a-Lago deal and everything else that went down, <clears throat> let's take let, let's think about um, when the Hunter Biden laptop story was really becoming a thing. Sure. Do you you remember that like fifty former intelligence officials came out to tell everybody that everything about this Hunter Biden laptop story really smacks of Russian disinformation. Yeah. Right. So I'm not sure why it failed, but what if the original reason for all of that was hoping without being able to directly influence it, hoping that just some good liberal FBI agent or prosecutor or whomever would get all excitable about that and think, oh my God, I can't believe that this uh, <clears throat> laptop owner or this uh, laptop repairman in Delaware is potentially working for the Russians right. in hopes that they would be able to arrest anybody that had the laptop. What if that was the original go? Was let's just, you know, let's put out that it's Russian disinformation. Then this, this guy running this repair shop will get arrested the FBI can have all the evidence and everything else. We can destroy it and it can all go away. But because people think ahead, before this guy like went public, he had already contacted people on the other side, which is why like Rudy Giuliani has a copy, you know, stuff like he basically, basically the guy was smart and he built in a kill switch. Like yeah. I could literally get Vince Fostered in a park and the contents of the laptop would still exist. Right. Sure. That would make sense. <clears throat> Essentially, then it makes so, it more, it makes it too risky to kill you, is what it would be. It's like, if you were the only source for this, right, then because, they can just remove the man, remove the problem. But if you've already spread it around, then it's like, well, we're not going to risk trying to take this guy out. Like, it, it's not going to help us in either way. We'd just be, we'd be doing it just because we're dicks, but... Honestly, the the risk involved of this coming back to bite us is greater than trying to remove this guy, and that that would be very smart. That'd be a smart way to to go about things. Right, and but think about like what would have happened if that guy wasn't that smart. Well, then he'd get Vince Foster in a park right now. Yeah, he'd get Vince Foster in a park, and we'd all hear we would all hear that the Russians like planted this information and it's all not true. And Donald Trump would be sitting there being like, that's bullshit. No, it wasn't. Or he would get arrested because I don't know, they, they would find some way to link Donald Trump to it. Sure. <laughs> you know, like, see, it's just more proof that Donald Trump's working with the Russians. Right. Right. But anyway, they released the diary. They just got arrested for it. It basically proves everything in this diary is true. There is essentially, this is the start of a seemingly, what what is going to be a big information operation to influence the 2024 election. They're trying to raid Trump and get whatever information he has that he could be using in the election. They're trying to get this diary off the market. I'm sure there's going to be very a lot of oh all this russian disinformation hey every media and tech company you need to make sure nobody talks about x y and z because that's um 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 uh, russian russian propaganda it's like it's gonna be at a 
a shit show for the next couple of years until this election. What's uh? Well, yes, <laughs> yeah. Like, but well, I guess that's the thing. Is like, do you, do you think the American people are going to be exhausted by the claims of Russian disinformation? Like, it's kind of beating a dead horse at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I think it. Well, and I think with things like this, uh, you know, like we saw on Joe Rogan, they basically admitted, oh, the FBI contacted Facebook and told them things were Russian disinformation so they wouldn't report them. The growing knowledge that this is how the FBI is operating, at least for people paying attention on the right, they're going, it's not going to play with them anymore. It's like, one of the things I keep bringing up, so this, in this clip of, on, of Joe Rogan's ran on the, on Tucker Carlson's show and Tucker Carlson talked about it. And I constantly come back to Tucker Carlson is the most watched person of any news channel. And that has to have some effect. Millions of Americans just saw how the FBI is trying, tried to influence the 2020 election through the use of claiming things were Russian propaganda. Millions of people now know that and are probably pretty upset about it. So the next time they see that claim, millions of Americans are not going to be tricked twice, essentially. I don't know what outcome this is going to have, but it has to have some effect. Well, and not only is that, well, it's, it's that, but... I know it's, 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 I'm trying to think about it and like, cause of course, you know, here's the problem, right? Is like, are there going to still be like a bunch of liberals that are going to repeat the talking points? Like, yeah, of course. But how effectual are those people anymore? Especially because like, you have to understand that one of the problems that the Democrat party is running into is that they have basically relied on the activist class and then kind of just threw them to the wayside once they had power right in in some aspects you know for example like there's not going to be a black lives matter riot while Repub- or while democrats i'm sorry are in control of all branches of government because then the democrat party would have to do something so amazingly, black lives don't matter anymore because Joe Biden won, and that was the only reason why it existed in the first place. Right. Yeah. Which is incredible because I'm sure a lot of people have already seen it, but there's that story coming out of, I, th- I believe it's Arkansas, where there's a white guy literally, literally getting the absolute shit kicked out of him, like just getting the shit kicked out of him by cops, like completely unjustifiable actions by police. Have you seen this clip, Alan? I don't think I have. Oh my gosh. I, I'm sorry. I forgot to send it to you. Um, but I'll, I'll send it over to you. It's the, the long story short is the guy's like already cuffed and cops are just, they're kicking him punching him in the face and slamming his head up against the cement. Oh, I have seen this. Yeah. It looked, yeah. it looked pretty bad. I don't know what any of the details were on it though. Yeah, it like, doesn't look good. 
yeah, there, there's certainly there's certainly details because people don't just cops don't just do that, you know, like like for fun. Sure. Um, but there's nothing that's really going to be able to justify it because the man is already detained. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I think they could get close to even trying to justify it is he just shot and killed my friend. Yeah, or something like maybe he's got a. It's, I don't again. Maybe he's got his hand on one of the officer's weapons, and he's uh, you know there's something. But in it, regardless, it looks bad, and white people should riot, and we should burn down half of whatever city this is in. Well, <laughs> and there there lies the thing. So that happened, but there's no riots. There's no media. There's not even media coverage. Like I, yeah. which, which yeah. I mean, isn't that weird? Wouldn't this be like pay dirt for Democrats? Like their whole thing was about how abusive police are, and we need to defund the what police. What was the race of the guy getting beat up? Oh, he was oh. white. Okay. Yeah, that's. There's not going to be rights. Yeah. And that's what's hilarious is it would be so simple for Democrats to just to just go out and be like. Oh my gosh, this is awful. This is what we're talking about. See how it's not just for black people, everybody. We're consistent. Police abuse is wrong no matter who does it or whatever. Yeah. They could very simply go out and do that. Black Lives Matter wouldn't be upset about that. They would be enthralled about it because it would look like one of these like, hey, it's not a racial issue. It matters no matter who it is. Blah. This would be great. This would be Pater. And you know that there's a lot of Black Lives Matter people that are probably seeing this happen and then being told, like, not that one, though. Don't care about that one. And maybe they're okay with it because who gives a shit about a white guy? Or maybe they're not because maybe they do believe in the cause and they're like, but this would be good for the cause. And everyone goes, yeah, but it'd be bad for the people in power. And by the way, you are subjugated. To the people in power. Yeah, I don't. I think that no matter what, they would never would never touch this sort of thing because it would change their entire narrative that only black people are oppressed. Because, well, and that's because exactly are it. you trying to it say is... all lives matter? Yeah. See, that's what's so funny about this is because of that kind of activist nonsense, we are now able to clearly prove that the whole Black Lives Matter thing was nothing more than encouraging racial division. Right. We can prove that it had nothing to do with anything they said it had to do with, because if that were the case, they would be protesting right now, and they're not. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm certainly not surprised by that. Are you? No, no, not, not, the, not the least, but we knew this the entire time. But there's a lot of normies who didn't or or who hoped that what they were hearing from people like you or I or some of their more based friends, let's say, they were hoping that maybe they were wrong or just being hyperbolic. But a lot of those normies see that footage because it has been on a lot of things. I'm sure it either was on Tucker Carlson or will be on Tucker Carlson, you know, and like you said. You know, he's very widely watched, but people are going to see it on Facebook and there's going to be independents. There's even going to be some like kind of normie cons who were like, well, I, I thought the George Floyd thing was really bad and I stood up for these people. But like, where, why aren't they upset about this? 
please don't tell me that my like alt-right buddy was right and that this only had to do with black people and that was the entire point the entire time please don't tell me that was true because i was really super mean to that guy yeah Hmm. yet here we are yeah yet here we are (laughs) (laughs) so by the way i have to bring this up because you sent it to me uh and it's it's not anything like too deep but um the stock market took a nosedive you wouldn't know because the uh mainstream media didn't cover it uh, because Joe Biden's president and uh, we don't cover things that make Joe Biden look bad. True. But to, to be fair, at this point now, um, as much as I want to say it's because, you know, liberals in the media and they're awful, but maybe they're just avoiding getting raided by the FBI. <laughs> maybe I could see that. So it's, a, it's entirely possible that they're all just afraid of being raided by the FBI. Um I'm not joking when I say this, but since we brought up some of the racial stuff and, you know, all this other nonsense that the left is pushing, the stock market took a nosedive because the Federal Reserve came out and basically gave dire warnings and told everybody, like, hey, guys, um, stuff's going to suck and we're, we're we're going to have to start, like, hitting interest rates really hard in an attempt to slow inflation, which is going to just like upend a lot. It's, it's going, it's going to hurt the economy. Right. Like that's just how it works. Like it's funny because we were told that we're not in a recession, even though everything that's going on is what was defined as a recession. Well now, now it's going to be unavoidable. It's almost to the point where the next quarter so three consecutive quarters, there's going to be negative growth. And the Democrats aren't going to be able to bullshit their way out of that. But it'll be after the election, so who gives a shit, I guess. Um, or no, or will it be right before the election? Yep. Hang on. It'll be right before the election. So no, they are going to care about it. Yes, they're very worried about another about showing another uh, quarter of negative growth because that would be very, 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 very bad for the midterms. But after the Fed came out and said that things are going are awful, the economy's bad, and everything took a nosedive. A day later, the AP writes this tweet attached to an article: leadership at the Federal Reserve has become its most diverse ever. There are more female, black, and gay officials contributing to the central bank's interest rate decisions than at any time in its 109-year history. Wow. I'm sure, like, I'm not going to lie. At first, I thought that the Associated Press had been taken over by trolls from 4chan that were making the wink, wink, nod, nod joke of maybe this is why the economy is so bad. But no, this is a real tweet. Yeah. Yeah. The Federal Reserve is destroying the economy. Inflation is insane. 
and we are in a recession. And what the AP is doing now is basically trying to weaponize NPR Americans by going out there and saying, you can't say bad things about what the Fed's doing and how they're destroying the economy or else you stand against diversity. So is the diversity why their policies are not so bad it's destroying the economy? Because that's what this kind of sounds like. Exactly. That's what I mean. That's why I was like, did the AP get taken over by like 4chan trolls? Because it sounds like what you're saying is, hey, things suck really bad. And maybe it's because the blacks, gays and women at, at the Federal Reserve. Yeah. I mean, that, I don't know that that's not happening, but it does seem mighty suspicious that. Now, I, I will tell you, and maybe these things are hilariously synonymous. The reason why things are going so bad at the Federal Reserve is because they're full of progressive liberals who have no idea how to run an actual economy. I mean, I would go one further and say that the whole point of the Federal Reserve is to benefit global centralized banking organizations and not the United States. And uh, they're doing just that by destroying the U.S. economy at this time. Yeah, like like their mission is a success, but it looks like a failure to us because we don't actually know what their real mission is. Right, because they're a central bank that is beholden to other banks. It's like, it, I know you've heard of the company BlackRock. BlackRock is the major contributor to the Federal Reserve. What is good for BlackRock is good for the Federal Reserve. A U.S. recession where all these assets like change in value is actually pretty good for BlackRock. I can only imagine that their connections with the Federal Reserve are not a coincidence. Yeah, the uh, investors at the Federal Reserve and the investors of places like BlackRock or you know George Soros or any of these other people, those people don't play the same game that we play. Right. And... I don't uh, <laughs> I don't think that they're playing with the benefit of Americans in mind. And you can see it by some of their policies. Everyone knew it was a bad idea to print this much money this quickly. But they did print that much money that quickly. And all of their friends in international banking were aware that that's what they were going to do and hedge and change their financial outlooks appropriately so that during COVID, they all got to witness the biggest, biggest, what was it? The biggest transfer of wealth in human history. And the beneficiaries of that were companies like BlackRock and people that had an inside view of how the Federal Reserve operates. They, they knew the, the inside baseball, the Federal Reserve. They knew what the Federal Reserve was going to do. Mm -hmm. And they made billions over the last couple of years. And they're going to make billions in the next couple of years because they're all colluding together on these financial matters. What's so distressing about a lot of this is like, we obviously know and understand a lot of the intent right. of, you know, the globalists and, and all of that. We, we know what they want with a lot of, with a lot of these progressive policies. Sure. I just never thought it would be so blatant as there's a lot of reports that are 
that people are pointing out now about the surging energy prices in Europe, particularly Germany. Mm. And we have, and we've played it before on the show, audio of like Pete, you know, boot edge edge and, um, Oh, Jennifer Granholm, who's the energy secretary for Biden, basically talking about how it's a good thing that things like gas prices are so high because it'll make you go buy the electric car that they want. They want to demand that you drive but can't legally. Right. And now you see surging like energy prices in Germany. How much of that is intentional? It's all part of their great reset. And they remember their whole, what was it, the new Green New Deal? It's all part of their great yeah. reset to reset the world economy into a totalitarian and centralized form. That it gives them the unquestioned power at the top. That's the entire goal of all of this. It's been their goal the whole time. Yeah. Look at how the, look at everything the World Economic Forum says and does. Look at how many of these leaders, like Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, are all World Economic Foreign Forum trained politicians. I mean, you don't want to necessarily say it's all according to plan, but it is all according to plan. Well, that's going to have to be the last aspect of the show because we're reaching that two-hour mark. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, the broadcaster actually cuts off at that two-hour mark or shortly thereafter. Oh. So um, I don't have any outro music because I'm doing this on the phone, but thanks everybody for joining us. Hopefully everything's uh, Hopefully everything was good and Hopefully we can, we at least now have a secondary option in case things break again. We'll just jump on our phones and go from there, but, um, enjoyed having a chat with everybody. Thanks so much for joining us out there. Don't forget to share the show and go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio, where you can help support our program. And, uh, we'll take a look at some of these other, um, options that some of our listeners gave us asking us to go do that, but let us know how you guys think. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Aaron. From I'm the Alan East. from the West coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next Sunday.